1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Books Network. This is your host, Morteza Hajizadeh from Critical uh, Theory Channel. Today, I'm very honored to be speaking with a very special guest. I've got Professor Sir Stanley Wells with us to talk about a great book that he published with Cambridge University Press last year. The book is called What Was Shakespeare Really Like? Uh, Professor Stanley Wells, na- uh, welcome to Bookness New Books Network. Thank you very much. Uh, you are a world-renowned Shakespearean scholar, but for the benefit of the uninitiated, would you please briefly introduce yourself, tell us about your expertise and, more importantly, how you fell in love with Shakespeare?
0: Yeah, I've been interested in Shakespeare since I was a schoolboy. I was introduced to him by a very inspiring English teacher in a grammar school. In Hull during the 1940s. I'm 93 years old, so I've got a lot, a lot of years behind me. Uh, I, over my long career, I have worked very closely with Shakespeare. First, teaching school children. I was a school teacher for six years. Then I joined the Shakespeare Institute in Stratford upon Avon. The Institute is part of the University of Birmingham, a sort of graduate department, exclusively devoted to Shakespeare. Uh, I worked my way up there. Uh, eventually becoming director of the Shakespeare Institute. And during this period, I lectured widely on Shakespeare in England, in Europe, uh, and further afield occasionally too. Uh, I wrote a uh, review about Shakespeare, I edited, I'm the general editor of the Penguin edition of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and also of the Oxford edition of Shakespeare. Uh, and I have written uh, many books about Shakespeare over the years. The most recent one being the one we're talking about now, uh, what was Shakespeare really like? A challenging question. Mm.
1: It indeed is a challenging question. I will definitely ask you about that. the title of the book as well. But, um... So, let's talk about the, the the story of this book. What made you decide to write the book about Shakespeare's if I may say personality so uh, how did you write write it? well i I, I wanted to write it because
0: uh, it, towards i obviously getting towards the end of my career, I wanted to do a sort of summing up of my relations with with Shakespeare, I wrote it initially as lectures. I was invited to give four lectures uh, originally to have been given in person at the Shakespeare Center, which is the headquarters of the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust here in Stratford-upon-Avon. I was invited to give those for my 90th birthday. However, circumstances changed. Uh, The center had to close because of the pandemic, so in fact, the lectures were given in somewhat shortened form from my home here in so sort of where we are now. Uh, they were abbreviated and 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 uh, filmed uh, uh, and transmitted. Was a result, of course, they were seen by far more people than if they had been given in person. But then after that, I uh, revised the lectures, thought afresh about them, and uh, the Cambridge University Press agreed to publish them. So they were published under the title that you you know here, what was Shakespeare really like? A challenging question, of course. Uh,
1: let's talk about the first chapter. The first chapter is called "What Manner of Man Was He?" and it's a very literary. Titus. I'm guessing it's a line from Shakespeare's play. Uh, play. How, how did you set about, you know, dissecting Shakespeare's personality from his works?
0: Yeah. Well, there are various, uh, uh, not only from his works, I may say, but also from his life records. Yeah. There various ways you can approach the question. Uh, you can think about his uh, the, the way his family life. You can think about his professionalism. You can think about the fact, the interesting fact, that he's the only major, only dramatist of his time who didn't live permanently in London. He lived between, he moved between Stratford and London, which suggests a fairly strong degree of commitment to family as well as to his profession. Uh, I, I thought also about how he wrote, how he wrote the plays. which probably. Come on to that later. I thought about his education in Stratford. Here, uh, you can. Uh, the, Stratford had a, a grammar school, which is still here. Of course, the King's mm. school, as it was called in his time, the King's New School, and uh, it offered a, a, a very a, what must have been a very good education, a classics-based education, as all. Uh, education was in Shakespeare's time, only for boys. It's only the boys who got a school schooling and he would be educated in Stratford with a particular emphasis on Latin, uh, on Latin writers, including Ovid who became a favorite writer and who, whose works lie behind many of Shakespeare's works, including, for example, the early long poems Venus and Adonis* and the Rape of Lucrece, not often read nowadays, perhaps, but, but great great works in their own kind. Uh, and he there are also two sonnets, two of the sonnets, which in fact are translations. The last two printed sonnets are translations uh, from, uh, from the Greek uh, through Latin uh so clearly shakespeare was uh well educated for his time and this education can be seen behind the,
1: all the plays as well mm-hmm. and and uh, and you and you also said that you you have also tried to get more information about his personality but yeah. from his personal life do we know what his contemporaries or what other people said about him shakespeare as a person yeah, we, to... have, we have
0: to... some evidence about uh, from his contemporaries. It's all nice. They all seem to have liked him. <laughs> there are several, there are three sonnets, for example, poems which refer to him more than once as being sweet. The adjective "sweet" is used of him, "sweet master Shakespeare," which suggests that he had uh, a pleasing personality in in public and, and presumably in private too. There are a number of references in sonnets, dedicatory sonnets, and also in some plays known as the Parnassus plays. In one of which, a student said, "Oh, sweet master Shakespeare, I get his picture in my study at the court." Uh, the, 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 in other words, that Shakespeare is sort of pin up boy. He was a celebrity it became of course uh, over the years became a celebrity at his own time
1: mm. um I, I've read most of Shakespeare's plays and I must confess that before reading your book I never thought about I always read the pro the, the the play I never thought about how Shakespeare went about writing a play and you have a chapter on that so your second chapter is about uh it's called how did he write a play so given that we have very little Textual evidence or manuscript evidence of Shakespeare. It's true. Yeah. How do you go about to uh, to answer this question? So, how did he write a play?
0: Well, you 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 look at the play and you think where it came from. And it came. It, it, they most of his plays have literary sources. They may be in fiction. As in, for example, uh, the plays based on on Italian comic comic stories like Much Ado About Nothing or uh, Twelfth Night, uh, or they they may be based on uh, on on historical writings. Both English history and, of course, um, a substantial part of Shakespeare's work is plays about his own country. Especially in his early career, he wrote the plays about Henry the followed by Henry the and Henry the uh, Henry Fourth and Henry the Fifth, uh, and he also. Uh, wrote historical works based on Roman history uh, like Titus Andronicus very early, not very historical play luckily uh, it's a horrible story of torture and rape uh, and then later the more moderate plays about Roman history, Julius Caesar, uh, Coriolanus Antioch and Cleopatra so we, we, in many cases you can say that Shakespeare's plays came from from his reading in various ways.
1: So I'm I'm really interested to know more about it. So can I ask you please maybe to read a part of your book uh, from chapter uh, from the second chapter, which is about how he wrote a play.
0: Yes, the ground plans for some of Shakespeare's plays are more uh, systematically worked out than others. For example, much ado about nothing, uh, which was first br- printed, I believe from Shakespeare's original manuscript, seems to be made up as it goes along, as if at times we can catch him in the act of working out his plot. The most obvious example is the fact that in two stage directions, a character, the mother of the heroine, who is rather confusingly called Hero, Hero's mother, appears in the stage directions, but she doesn't say anything. As if Shakespeare thought he would include her, but then... For some reason, possibly because he he realized he didn't have enough boy actors, because, of course, all the women's parts were played by, by boys, young men, uh, he, he, he wrote her out of the play. Uh, and there are other instances of that, too. Uh, some plays include substantial episodes which are not essential to the plot, but which offer entertaining interludes. Uh, early on, for example, in what I believe to be his first play, The Two Gentlemen of Verona, Lance's scenes with his dog, who's called Crab, are an example. Sometimes he gives us scenes which reflect on what has been happening, meditative scenes like the scene in Richard II where the gardeners think about what's happened to the king and and to the kingdom. So uh, we can see Shakespeare uh, uh, creating such scenes or the dialogue between the mad uh, Gloucester, the Earl of Gloucester, uh, uh, and King Lear uh, is another scene which is essential to the plot, but essential to our sense of the characterization and to the to the drama and to the sense of what of uh, uh, the meanings that Shakespeare derived from the stories that he was using. Uh, some plays are very elaborately and neatly plotted. I think of the Comedy of Errors or Romeo and Juliet. Or *The Tempest*, his his last complete play, uh, as if like an architect designing a great cathedral, as if Shakespeare created its overall design before going back to fill in the details. And there's no way in which the 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 intricacies of the virtuosically designed final scenes of *Cymbeline*, mm. again one of his late plays, scenes which have uh, one. Uh, revelation following rapidly upon another. There's no way in which you can have improvised those on the spot of the moment, on, on the spur of the moment. The composition of those plays required the same kind of mental agility, the same kind of inter- intellectual effort as a contrapuntal masterpiece by Bach. Very intellectually demanding writing is 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 giving us in these plays.
1: Thank you that was that was a that was a great explanation of how he uh, went about to craft a play and uh, you have a whole chapter about Shakespeare's sonnets yes and um, uh, we know we know things from his biography based on his plays but I'm also interested to know what we can get from Shakespeare based on his sonnets and why you devoted a whole chapter to his sonnets
0: well i devoted a whole chapter to them because they are the only area of his work Virtually, in which he's speaking in his own person, he's not th- not putting himself not imagining himself into imaginary or historical characters as he is in the plays. The sonnets are, are personal poems. Some of them are more personal than others. Uh, the, the some of them are deeply uh, meditative uh, uh, reflections are, are on his own life and on life itself. One of them, only one of them, is a religious poem, Poor Soul, the Centre of My Sinful Earth, it begins. Uh, But the rest of them vary greatly in tone, some of them are quite light-hearted, but some of them are profoundly personal meditations on his own love life, his sexual life, his sexuality, and they are, I think, extremely revealing. I had worked before publishing this book. I'd worked with Paul Edmonson, who's kindly helping me today. Uh, we wrote together a book called "All the Sonnets of Shakespeare" and also a book called "Shakespeare's Sonnets," in which he thought very seriously about how Shakespeare wrote sonnets and what they tell us about his life. And I think they tell us a great deal about his interior life, about his uh, emotional and sexual life. Mm.
1: Uh, can you please read a part of your book from this chapter about Shakespeare's sonnets, or maybe a part of his sonnets? I'll leave it up to you. What uh, what part of the chapter you'd like to read?
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, th- thinking about the basic questions about the sonnets, uh, the, the sonnets published in sixteen hundred nine. Uh, as I say, the 154 of them. (laughs) Uh, We we, we don't know who arranged these poems uh, in the order in which they're printed. They're clearly written at a variety of dates. Some of them are individually written, some of them were written in pairs or little clusters of poems. Uh, We don't know who arranged them into the order in which they appeared in print. It must have been somebody who knew all of them intimately Uh, and who had thought hard about their relationship to one another, and the obvious candidate for for doing this is Shakespeare himself. The other question is, if some or, or all of these poems are concerned with real people, who are these people? Well, we'd like to have answers to these questions, if only because they would help us to know, to answer the question in the title of my book, to know what Shakespeare was really like. If, for example, he cold-bloodedly handed over a publication for ready money, perhaps love poems addressed to and concerned with people who were still alive at the time of publication, uh, people who would have known that he was putting their intimate relationships into print, uh, even if they couldn't be easily identified, this would suggest that he didn't care much for the feelings of the people he had been writing about. If the printed text of the sonnets derives directly, or possibly by way of a scribal transcript, uh, from Shakespeare's own manuscript, then it would seem, wouldn't it, that he had he himself had preserved manuscript versions of all 154 sonnets. Uh, that that he, a bit like a, a schoolboy, putting collecting stamps, that he had a a notebook uh in, in into which he transcribed all these poems, uh a notebook uh which eventually possibly even against his will uh was published
1: hmm.
0: we don't know we simply don't know how the poems got into print the best we could do is to examine the evidence and to form our own conclusions uh, uh, from what it tell from what it tells us my conclusion for what it's worth is that the publisher, Thomas Thorpe, got hold, possibly by underhand means, of a manuscript into which all the poems had been written out, possibly, probably indeed, by Shakespeare himself, certainly in an order that Shakespeare approved and which the publisher followed. I think then that the publisher's dedication to the sonnets they're dedicated to to master W.H., and there's been an awful lot written about who Master W.H. might have, might have been. Uh, this publication may be deliberately cryptic, trying to conceal rather than to inform readers. And I think that Shakespeare possibly disapproved of the publication, but kept quiet about it so as not to draw attention to it. Mm. It's such an intimate collection of poems Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor! Mm-hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested also to know about the fourth chapter of the book. And the title of the chapter is What Made Him Laugh. So when it comes to Shakespeare, again, a lot of us might associate Shakespeare with Hamlet, Macbeth, uh, King Mm -hmm. Lear. So maybe humor, tragedy is more salient feature rather than humor. But I'm interested to know, how would you characterize Shakespeare's sense of humor?
0: Yes, well, of course, we don't have any really direct evidence about it, except from from his writings. I think it was a very uh, humane sense of humor that he demonstrates in his in his uh, poems as well as in his plays, that uh, the uh, Venus Rudeonis is a very is, is a humorously witty poem. Uh, wit is part of it, intelligence and in, in, an intellectual response uh, to comedy, often ira after an ironical, seeing the funny side of things which my, other people might have taken seriously. I think he was amused by. The foibles of human character, and we value this a great deal in characters like, uh, well, like the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, for example, with her earthy, uh, earthy approach to to sex and and to love. Um, similarly, Mistress Quickly in the Henry IV plays. We value his sense of humour in his greatest comic creation, as most people would would say, Sir John Falstaff, uh, so 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 great. So Shakespeare himself seems to have been so fond of him that he wrote wrote him into several plays, both the Henry the Fourth plays, Parts One and Two, a bit in Henry the and also uh, very much, of course, in the Merry Wives of Windsor, the comedy which tradition says was written for performance um, at the royal court uh, so uh, the shakespeare's sense of humor is is, is apparent th- throughout his plays is responsible for their popularity and it's often a very profound e- sense of humor it, it, it isn't it isn't simply farcical or uh, is lightly comic sometimes it is profoundly humane and and uh, Giving us a full sense of rounded characters, like well, Falstaff is the obvious example, but Sir Belch is another. Sometimes it's satirical humour, sending people up, like Malvolio in in Twelfth Night, for example. Uh, the, the, he can be quite harsh about 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 the characters of his plays.
1: Can you please read a part of your chapter about uh, uh, about? His sense of humor about uh, Shakespeare's sense of humor? Yeah. Okay. I
0: I say in the book, I say Shakespeare was skillful in arousing laughter by devising situations of contrived discomfiture, embarrassment, in other words. For example, there's a brilliant episode in Love's Labour's Lost. It's Act Four, Scene One. In which Lord Beroun, the central uh, main lover in the play, tricks his three friends, the King, Lord Dumaine, and Lord Longaville. He tricks them uh, into revealing that they, like him, have fallen in love, although they've all forsworn uh, love or de- declared that they will uh, have nothing to do with women for several years. Uh, and uh, the, 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 he tricks them into reading aloud the poems that they've addressed to the women they're in love with, thus revealing their apostasy. It's a very brilliantly funny scene. I remember once uh, in the theatre watching a a little girl who was sitting in in the front row uh, getting more and more involved uh, and amused by the situation in front of her, so much so that she had to stuff her handkerchief into her mouth uh, to stop herself from laughing aloud. as she anticipated, the successful outcome of Beroon's tricks. And there are other examples, like uh, uh, like in later plays, some of the very emotionally revealing ones, like uh, when Beatrice, for example, in Much Ado About Nothing, is uh, made to realise that uh, that Benedick is in love with her and she is in hiding. And she comes out of hiding and speaks. Interesting, she speaks a poem which is a foreshortened sonnet. What fire is mine ear- in mine ears? She says, and it's a scene that reveals her her emotions at discovering that somebody that she rather fancies herself is actually in love with her too. Uh, sometimes Shakespeare uh, raise, raises laughter by creating situations in which a character makes a fool of himself or is comically embarrassed as a result sometimes of accident, and other times of having a trick played upon him. Uh, I think, uh, uh, for example, in, in Twelfth Night, I think of Malvolio being deluded into supposing that his employer, the Countess Olivia, is in love with him. It's Act like Two, Scene Five. Or more seriously, in one of the more one of the darker comedies, All's Well That Ends Well, I think of the episode when the the cowardly paroles the word means the word. <laughs> The word pearls the name means words of course, indicating that he is a wordy uh, self deluded character, and he is uh, tricked into uh, uh, into revealing his cowardice uh, It's characteristic of Shakespeare's ability to let us see situations in the round as it were from multiple points of view that in Twelfth Night Marvolio who has been tricked and fooled, is allowed his comeback. At the end of the play, he says, I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. And similarly, uh, in All's World, Paroles is a uh, rapidly recovers his, uh, his uh, composure uh, when he says, Captain, I'll be no more, but I will eat and drink and sleep as soft as Captain can. Simply the thing I am can make me live. It, it, it's, it's 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 very pointed, isn't it? It's very, the simplicity of the statement uh, uh, in which he declares his self sufficiency.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, listening to you, I feel like tempted to pick up Shakespeare's books and read some of uh, his plays again. <laughs> well, that's fine. why not? But I hope I hope that listeners because the listeners will listen I'm sure.
0: Yeah. It is, of course, fine to read Shakespeare, but reading Shakespeare is not a terribly easy thing to do sometimes, uh, and that's why, for example, when Shakespeare is taught in schools, I think it's a good thing if if the pupils are encouraged to act out the plays themselves rather than simply read them, because the the, the words are there to be to be embodied to be. The character to be personified in, 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 in through real through the medium of the real people who are performing them is that the that create that makes the place three dimensional that gives us a sense of involvement with the action and with the people who are involved themselves in the action.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice, um, and. So the book has four chapters, but you also have an epilogue, which is sort of oh, a memoir yeah. chapter about you and over eight decades of reading and teaching Shakespeare. So yeah. can you tell tell us some of the highlights of your career with Shakespeare? What are the highlights for you?
0: Well, I've had a lot of experiences that I owe to Shakespeare. One that I remember particularly uh, was in... Uh, uh, in 1989, when the British Council invited me to do a lecture tour in Czechoslovakia, as it then was now the Czech Republic. Uh, and my host there was the senior Shakespeare scholar, a man called Stereck Stribny, who for years had been forbidden to teach for political reasons. He had liberal views and he had to do uh, menial work uh, rather, rather than, than uh, teach students in a way that might have allowed him to say things that appeared subversive to the government. Uh, I arrived in Czechoslovakia on the 19th of November, uh, and as I was being shown around the castle uh, area in, in, the, in the city, Strybny told me that there had been what he called a spot of bother. The police had beaten up some students, one of whom was rumored falsely, as it turned out, to have died as a result. On the next day, I was lecturing to the Czech Academy, and uh, at the end of the lecture, uh, we went, I went out. We, my audience, and I went out onto the balcony of the academy and watched as a great stream of students streamed past. On the way, on their way from the marketplace to the uh, to the presidential palace to register their their protest that to, uh, uh, against the, the the oppressive government. On the other side of the street, the actors from the national theatre, which faces the academy, were waving too, and they had rather incited the rebellion. It was very a very moving experience. Um, as the day passed, more and more processions of workers joined in the protest. Uh, I, I still have a badge. Wearing the, the showing the, with an image of the playwright, the Czech playwright Václav Havel, who was uh, one of the inciters of the, of the rebellion, and I attended an enormous meeting in Wenceslas Square, about six hundred thousand people were there, uh, when the rebellion was, was was at its height. Eventually, the British Council got rather worried for my safety, and I was flown out. Out uh, before I was due to uh, re- originally to have, to have left. So that was a very moving experience. As a result of
1: Shakespeare, I can, I can imagine that. Yeah, it, it it's a fascinating story. Right. Uh, uh, before we come to the end of this uh, interview, there are lots of other great things you talk about your personal experience with Shakespeare. You talk about in this chapter. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, end the interview?
0: Well, of course, uh, although my career has centered on being a professor, on teaching, I've also uh, broadened the spectrum, as it were, in a number of ways. I have been much involved in, in Stratford with the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, uh, of which I was uh, a trustee, then chairman. I'm now honorary president. The Trust is the organization that looks after the Shakespeare houses and has an important uh, educational function, an educational department. For seven years, uh, I, I left academe and worked for Oxford University Press. Uh, as uh, I founded a Shakespeare department there with a specific aim of Producing a new com- edition of the complete works of Shakespeare, a complete Oxford Shakespeare. The, 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 the Oxford Shakespeare that was then in print dated back right to the end of the, the previous century, and Oxford realized they were out, is out of date, and instead of employing a, 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 a scholar to do it as part of his university job, which is the usual system, they had the vision realize that it was such a a big job that it it would required somebody working full-time on it. So I moved house to Oxford, lived in Oxford, and founded the Shakespeare department there, which uh, eventually resulted in the production not only of the Oxford edition of the complete works, uh, the single volume edition, but also of a multi-volume edition, uh, are every play and, and the poems in separate volumes, which has also been published as the world's classics edition. So that was an important uh, uh, interlude, as it were, or or, a change of direction for a while in my career. But then I I was able to return back to the Shakespeare Institute in Stratford as director. And even after I retired, I've kept on uh, working on Shakespeare, writing about Shakespeare, lecturing, traveling. Uh, I still, for example, regularly go with, with Paul, to Verona. Uh, Every year there is a Shakespeare festival there, and we are able to to talk on the play that they're centering on and to take part in activities. So Shakespeare has been my life. It's hardly an exaggeration to say that. Uh, And I've been lucky to, uh, to have such a rewarding life as a result of my interaction with Shakespeare as editor, as theatre goer, of course I've seen a great many productions of Shakespeare. I've seen all the productions of the Royal, of Shakespeare of the Royal Shakespeare Company uh, since I arrived in Stratford in in, in, in the sixties. Seen Shakespeare on film. I've seen Shakespeare in different languages. Uh, I've seen silent Shakespeare. Uh, I, I've read Shakespeare. I've lived Shakespeare. In fact. So that's been an immensely rewarding experience and all for which I'm extremely grateful.
1: And, and I guess I can easily tell that passion and love of Shakespeare just comes from your voice. And as I said, listening to you, I'm tempted to read some of his plays. And I must say that <laughs> uh, you have made enormous contributions to Shakespeare's scholarship. Some of the books you mentioned, uh, uh, the Oxford Classics series, are have in my library. And oh, me good. as a student, have greatly benefited from your scholarship on Shakespeare. You've made it accessible to a lot of people. Uh, and, and yeah, we are truly the lovers of Shakespeare are indebted to you for your great works. And I'm, i was truly honored to be able to speak with you about this book. And I must add that this is a fascinating book, very accessible, easy to read. And it gives readers a lot of insights about Shakespeare. And the great thing about the book is that it's not quite like other Cambridge books. It's very easy to read and quite short, uh, four chapters about Shakespeare's yeah. works and his personality, and one chapter about your contributions to the to Shakespeare scholarship and your passion for Shakespeare. Professor Sir Stanley Wells, thank you very, very much for your time uh, and speaking with us on New Books Network about your book. Thank
0: you. It's been a great pleasure to meet you and to talk about it. Thank you very much.